Hello everyone, my name is Shanti Hegde. My name is Vidya Manivanan. And my name is Prashant Radhakrishnan. And you're listening to Cold-Blooded. On tonight's episode of Cold-Blooded, we will be talking about unsolved crimes in pop culture from the famous Bollywood actress Divya Bharti and John Benet Ramsey. We have been following the cases closely and are excited to share with you all the facts and details about the crimes to some of the most famous conspiracy theories. Disclaimer. We provide general information and entertainment, but are not professionals in forensic or in any shape or form mean to hurt or discredit these families who have lost their loved ones. John Vinay Ramsey was an American child pageant queen and gained wide success in her time. She lived in Colorado with her family until her unfortunate passing at the age of six. Ramsey was reported missing seven hours before her body was found in her basement by her father. Once the body was found, Ramsey was pronounced dead on December 26, 1996, and the autopsy indicated that the official cause of death was asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma. The crime is still unsolved and has gained widespread public and political attention. Okay, so per Rolling Stone's information on John Benang Ramsey, there are eight possible suspects to this. So who do we want to start with? I guess we'll start with her immediate few family members because they were actually there when the incident happened in the household. So her mother was one of the prime suspects. She was a pageant queen herself, which for there were probably some differences between her and her daughter. Her expectations were probably very high. She probably pressurized John Bonet at a young age. And according to Rolling Stones, she threw lavish Christmas parties and the entire family was very wealthy. And so people do speculate that um, while cleaning up another one of John Bonet's bedwetting accidents, um, which are said to have occurred very frequently, Ramsey probably flipped a switch and slammed the little girl's head against the side of a hard, blunt surface like a bathtub. Which explains the cranial fracture that Prashant had mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Potential. Yeah. And on top of that, John Bonet was found with a rope around her neck, tightened by a homemade garrot determined to have been fashioned out of a paintbrush. And this paintbrush was found inside the home And it was part of Patsy's paint kit that laid nearby, which is kind of sketchy because if it was found inside the house, well, people think if if it was found inside the house, then somebody inside the house would have probably done it. Thoughts? Like it would have been preconceived because it's like apparently she made it out of that. So she would have been planning to do this perhaps if it's made out of paintbrush taken from her kit. Because like, yeah. it's not like you just found it laying there and used it as a weapon. Yeah. So did, were there any prints found on the paintbrush? Did the police like get prints off of the paintbrush? Were her prints found? Well, they all of the immediate family was actually cleared by DNA evidence by like officials in like the court hearings and all of that stuff. So I don't think there were any prints or maybe the evidence just did not have like any prints like available. Yeah, and there's also conspiracy theories and stuff relating to the family did tamper with the evidence because the dad did touch her body and um, the entire crime scene was kind of contaminated with their evidence because they were touching things. So maybe there were prints, but after a while, DNA does degrade 
and yeah. they probably couldn't find anything, which um, is a speculation. So another bizarre thing that happened was there was a ransom note Patsy discovered. It was a two and a half page ransom note on one of the rugs of the spiral staircase. And it was from Patsy's notepad, which is crazy. So it was found, it was from inside the house. Somebody wrote it inside the house and it was from her own notepad. And it's, people think it's kind of ironic that she found it, you know, yeah, and it was from her notepad. Note, and this ransom note was actually like subject to a lot of controversy because people could just like, could not believe that this was just a random ransom note from someone who like kidnapped John Binet or something because this ransom note was actually very long and, Con- and consisted of a lot of language that was used from like crime films with other ransom notes and it took from those ransom notes and yeah which is kind of crazy because i don't think this could be something that was pre-planned especially if you like if you were a murderer and you broke into someone's house would you like take the time to sit down at someone's office right and write a, t- a, a two, four-page ransom note without getting caught. Definitely not. There would definitely not be enough time for that. And since you talked about crime scene evidence tampering, I guess we can go into the father as a suspect, since he was the first one to find and eventually pick up her body from the basement. So her father was contacted by law enforcement and he was actually sent to the house to find anything unusual because law enforcement were trying to find John Bonet at the time because she was missing. And when the father entered the house, he walked straight to the basement and actually found the body in his first try, like looking around the house. So that was just very sketchy to a lot of the law enforcement that was in the case and they suspected him. And father immediately flew his family to Atlanta hours after the murder. So people think that, you know, after a murder, it police always say, you know, in crime shows and just crime scenes, they say, don't go anywhere. That's kind of sketchy if you do go somewhere right after a murder was committed. He probably had family in Atlanta, but it is kind of sketchy and out of the norm for someone to immediately flee a crime scene and like go to another state if they were not guilty. But emotionally, looking at it they would maybe wanted to avoid the extensive interrogation that would follow because they weren't in the mental state because they just lost her daughter and like the covering up with the blanket it's just the fact that they really couldn't accept the fact that she's gone and maybe they just covered her up to like get it off their mind and so they fled to Atlanta as like a like mental safe haven maybe you said they had family there right so as just like emotional support but yes it is very unlikely that someone's first reaction would be to like flee for sure that's that's what kind of me that was a questionable moment where I was like why would someone leave but there are two sides to it and definitely the entire situation about the father touching the body was also very controversial because there are two sides to it the father could be grieving about his loss or the father could be trying to hide evidence that might have been planted on the dog there are two sides and it's still unsolved but again we just want to say that the entire family was cleared and, and exonerated due to the DNA testing that was done. Yeah, and so that brings us to the brother. And the brother was mainly shielded from the press after the murder just because he was so small 
at the time of John Bonet's death. There was a CBS documentary made that reinvestigated the evidence of the crime. And also a review of the autopsy included a rectangular defect on the skull. And forensic investigators on the documentary said it could have been a result from blunt force trauma with a flashlight found at the crime scene. Yet, there is no trace evidence from either John Bonet or the brother on the flashlight. And there was also a pineapple theory. Theorists suggest that John Bonet might have taken a pineapple slice from the brother's snack and out of anger she got hit by the flashlight. The brother would have then poked her for a response with a toy, a toy train to be specific, that matched up with the marks on her back. But the hole in this, I'd say, is it's missing like the asphyxiation part of the death. So like even if it was like accidental, say out of a fit of anger, the brother did hit her with the flashlight. The cause of death, as Prashant had mentioned, also included the strangling in a addition to the blunt force trauma so that the brother wouldn't I don't see how he would be involved in that aspect of it yeah and also Burke Ramsey JonBenet's brother and the family lawyer actually ended up publicly condemning the special and filing the lawsuit against the network and forensic investigators on the grounds of defamation and the family lawyer actually said that there wasn't really a lot of substantial evidence that would have supported that Burke was the murderer of JonBenet Ramsey and he kind of just claimed all of this theories to be just that theories by people who had recently seen his Dr. Phil interview or have read up more about the subject because this case is very unsolved and a lot of theories are being thrown around too. What raised some questions in that Dr. Phil interview for viewers who haven't seen it is his body language. So the fact that when he was being questioned about these things, he had a smile on his face and his hands were very fidgety and he would try to distract himself. And Shanti, you were talking about what those, some of those things mean, like how such body body language like could you explain that what mental thing that body language translates to so i mentioned that tapping fingers means he has an emotional response to whatever he's saying to dr phil but he is smiling so the body language is kind of distorted in the sense where if he is smiling probably during the entire interview it mostly conceived as lying but he's also tapping his finger and even though he's smiling he has an em- emotional response to it and i know inside he might be feeling emotional towards his sister and as the the CBS documentary and the interview with Dr. Phil and Dr. Phil himself said he has he has public issues he can't he has a very hard time talking to people and very hard time being social he's very kept himself he's actually now a software engineer um, or a cybersecurity. he's working at a cybersecurity company and he has a stay-at-home job he could be smiling just as a response just because he has been so kept himself all these years and he doesn't know what to feel psychologically psychologically and so there are so many there's so many there's so many body languages he's exhibiting but one cannot include yeah. yeah so so was John Benet strangled perimortem or postmortem and it says according to the autopsy that there was a partial autopsy and most of the report was under seal and, and it like under in- investigation and it just mentions that the cause of death of this six-year-old female is by asphyxia by strangulation 
pain associated with renal cerebral trauma, but I cannot find anywhere that that it could be perimortem or postmortem. So that is still under question. So that was a summary of all the prime suspects of the murder, the people who were actually present within the household at the time. However, there are many other suspects, but the thing is, according to investigation, there were no signs of anyone infiltrating the house. Like there were, it was a snowy day, it was during the winter, and there were no evidence of any footprints like leading to the house. So it's quite unlikely that the rest of these suspects could have been the cause of the crime. However, we're still going to talk about their potential association with this crime. So the first person uh, we're going to talk about is Gary Olivia. He is he was a known sex offender in Boulder, Colorado. The crime looked like a potential sexual assault due to the finding of blood on the underwear. According to a Dr. Phil, one of the Dr. Phil shows, he does mention that there doesn't appear to be any sexual assault. It doesn't appear to look like sexual assault. So maybe this was a misconception. The convicted pedophile had been living in the area on and off and he was found cutting out John Benet Ramsey out of magazines in his backpack and he was apprehended on drug charges in 2000. He was released but suspicions remained. Um, his family, longtime private investigator, once referred to Olivia's ties to John Benet as a bombshell of red. And they actually kind of raised suspicion towards the Boulder Police Department for failing to consider Gary Olivia as a credible suspect, mainly because he he had fantasies and he, he actually told his longtime pal on a phone call that he heard a little girl not too long after the murder. Yeah, and kind of aligns with one of the audience members on the Dr. Phil show asked Dr. Phil if anyone from the pageant, like anyone that watched the pageant, sexually assaulted her. And I think this theory could be a misconception because he did say that there was no sign of sexual assault. And he too was cleared by DNA testing for the John Benet murder and was recently charged with two counts of sexual exploitation. The next suspect on the list is Michael Helgoth. And Michael Helgoth was a family electrician and he actually had a property dispute with the Ramses and that could have been motive to seek revenge on the family by kidnapping John Benet and asking for a ransom. Yeah, and so his boot print was also similar or the bootprint that was found on the crime scene was similar to his not on the crime scene but near the crime scene near the crime but he was cleared by dna evidence but did commit suicide two days after a press conference that stated the law enforcement were zeroing in on a new suspect so maybe his suicide he knew something he knew people think that he knew a family secret or secret not even family he just knew something about the crime and he might have committed suicide because it has been speculated that he was actually considered a suspect by the Boulder Police Department because it was saying it was merely speculated that once the 26-year-old Helga caught wind that he could be a suspect in the case because the officials again found a blueprint that was similar to his near the crime scene. He committed suicide before anyone could get to him. So he was afraid that they were actually moving towards him as a suspect. Our next suspect is John Marcar, a former school teacher, and he confessed in 1996 to the strangulation of Ramsey in very vivid detail. And he also revealed he had a growing fascination about John Bonet to a professor and was arrested in Thailand. He was also cleared after his DNA failed to match though, much like the other suspect, and he was also dismissed. So there's not much information about him, but the fact that he described the murder in such vivid, very vivid detail, yeah. like both like sexual and graphic, and it was honestly very disturbing. That raises some questions. So he was arrested because he... Yeah, basically <laughs> after 
the murder, he was basically arrested because a professor said that in the University of Colorado Boulder, a professor named Michael Tracy over emails asked Carr about his views on case because they were making, I think, a documentary on the case. And Carr described and described his grown man's sexual fascination with John Bonet in very vivid detail. And Michael Tracy basically turned him over to the police and he was arrested in Bangkok as a possible suspect in the case. Linda Hoffman Pugh, she was a family housekeeper and had access to the home. And during the investigation of John Bonet's murder, Hoffman Pugh didn't even begin to fit the profile the police were after. They were after a white male, a former convict, a 25 to 30 year old, but she didn't hold back on voicing her suspicions that Patsy Ramsey had accidentally killed John Bonet. And That's Patsy retaliated by claiming to investigators that Hoffman Pugh was struggling for money and had asked for a loan of several thousand dollars. And this could have been motive to kind of kidnap John Bonet and ask for ransom to get those several thousand dollars, which were $118,000 to be exact. And she also had access to the house because she was a housekeeper and she also and lastly, Bill McReynolds. Possibility that the now deceased individual has anything to do with the death is extremely unlikely. McReynolds was rumored to have paid a little too much attention to John Bonet, going so far as to arrange secret visits from Santa Claus on Christmas. So this is the guy that was the Santa Claus suspect. Supposedly, right, also yeah. Supposedly friends with, like he was known to her father. Like, I mean, they come from a more like elite group of people, you know, as you said the mom hosts a bunch of christmas parties but like yeah he was like actually known to the family and certain things that he did in regards to john benet were very questioned by the public such as him bringing a vial of glitter that the six-year-old gave to him into his heart surgery even stranger he asked his wife to mix the gold glitter in his ashes were he to die in the surgery and this story generated a lot of buzz in the denver post according to the rolling stone but failed to amount to anything more than a sensationalized character assassination of a friendly old man Right, so the police didn't even actually interrogate him. He was just more, this case was just a theory that was more popularized by the media rather than actually formally investigated by the law force. Yeah, and what Santa Claus would kill a nice girl? <laughs> you know, Santa Claus is a positive figure, hopefully. I don't think any Santa Claus would kill a girl. I'd hope not. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. But yeah, and that concludes all of the information on the John Benet Ramsey case. It is still unsolved by both the government and public figures and a lot of people are genuinely genuinely curious about this case because it has been unsolved for quite literally two decades. So the next case we're going to be investigating is the death of a famous Bollywood actress, Divya Bharati, who was very prevalent in the early 90s. So she started her career at the early age of 15 and was soon followed with soaring success in three Indian languages, primarily Bollywood or Hindi cinema. And the actress, she holds the record in Bollywood for filming the most number of movies in a year, which is 13. So how she died was she fell to her death at the early age of just 19 from her fifth story apartment in Verstova, Mumbai 
life on the night of April 5th, 1993, at approximately 11 p.m. She was rushed to the hospital and declared dead upon arrival. So according to her postmortem report, reported injuries were basal skull fracture, fracture of the left hip bone, and fractured ribs. And so the cause of death was clearly her mighty fall. But what's interesting about this case is that the manner of death could be either an accident, suicide, or murder. So we're going to be talking more into those three categories. Ooh, an accident. So she was under influence of alcohol as confirmed by witnesses who stated that she drank white rum and post-mortem, I guess they found traces of alcohol in her body. And her parents said interview that she's always been a playful and careless girl that could point to her. Maybe she had a drinking problem or she drank excessively and was sitting on the 12 inch wide parapet of her window and which was her regular spot and she really enjoyed that but her apartment was only one in which windows lacked an iron grill so a kind of a background on this and India apartments have iron grills that, you know, prevent from like objects falling, kind of prevent them from leaving the window, like escaping, jumping out the window. Right. Most windows didn't have really glass, but they would just simply be open windows with the iron grills. Yeah. And so, you know, she might have been under the influence of alcohol. And she, as we mentioned, she really liked sitting on this 12 inch wide parapet of her window. She probably really was talking to someone down or she wanted to she was under the influence she probably right. could have asked himself sitting at her window like it's a usual spot she enjoyed as you said so she could have just potentially slipped that night because she had maybe a drink too much yeah and suicide so the next matter that, that was discussed was suicide and Davia basically began her career at the mere age of 15 so she must have experienced a lot of pressure to be successful in the Bollywood industry which she was but carrying that industry and being very successful in it carries a lot of tolls on mental health and she actually complained about being depressed as stated by some of her close friends Nita Lula who was present at her apartment that night along with her husband Dr. Lula and Debbie's brother whom she was very close with actually said that he should not have left his loving sister behind and that he was with her until 10 minutes before she could jump down and that she was basically very depressed and that she could confided in her brother that she was depressed but he didn't know that she would do such a thing and he just really wants his sister back yeah and she was married at the age of 18 secretly um hiding from a huge industry the film industry as married stars were viewed less desirable and that could have caused her to view herself as a lesser because she was so successful she thought this could dampen her career um and also secretly getting married and doing that away from your family is obviously going to make it even harder and it was a married someone else in another religion it was hard she might have had to convert she might have had to leave her entire family behind and that is that probably took a toll on her mental health right and a little background about India India and its culture a lot of people especially during that time were not at all accepting of interreligion marriages especially between a Hindu and a Muslim Divya was a Hindu while her husband who she married Sajid a film producer 
was Muslim, so she was forced to convert due to the fact. And since her parents were all a typical Hindu family, they would definitely not have accepted this very easily. So she was able to eventually convince her dad, but her mother was still pretty stubborn. And they would often have arguments about the fact that why she did this and why she had to hide it from them for so long. And that brings us to murder. So apparently she had an argument with her maid, which happened shortly before her death. Witnesses were very engrossed with TV to grasp this conversation. Right. Because as we said before, Nita Lula, her friend who is also her costume designer, had just come over to work on the costumes for her next film along with Nita's husband. And so they were just casually getting ready for that and having drinks. And so during that time, while the, the TV was on, the maid apparently talked to her and had some sort of an argument while she was sitting near the window. But however, they didn't realize what was going on because they were too engrossed in the TV. Or that, that's what they claim at least. But I mean, the fact that they recognized the maid and her were arguing, it's kind of surprising that they didn't realize what they were talking about if it was actually such a heated argument as they claimed it would be. Yeah. And after that, the mother showed up two hours later to the hospital and had a much quieter, latent reaction compared to the father and brother. And as we mentioned before, the mother was not accepting. I mean, she eventually came to terms, but there could be speculation that since because of her like delayed quieter reaction she maybe might have acted like she was accepting of it and she just really didn't like it and she didn't want to be seen as this person who had a daughter who who like secretly got married and maybe her career was going down the drain after this and she didn't want that for herself she didn't want to be the person the outcast in her social group right and it was said that the father and the brother who actually showed up immediately once they got the news of Divya's death is that they were extremely loud and flamboyant in their ways of grieving and when the mother came they pointed fingers at her said you're the reason for her death they were yelling at her for that but that's probably not they didn't mean it in the direct sense but the fact that she was not accepting and that would have caused her mental situation to potentially do the suicide so that's maybe what they meant with the fact that it was her mother's fault of death why the father and brother came to conclusion yeah and then her husband who was a producer who was much older than her was not present during the time of her death he was actually out to discuss another movie deal for her and so once he heard the news he came and his reaction was also a bit quieter but what happened was he actually experienced a myocardial infection fraction or a heart attack because of the stress that the loss of his wife caused so it's really unlikely that he had anything to do with it however her fans came up with some conspiracy theories and pointed fingers towards him because the fact that he was the one who kind of pressured her to hide the marriage from the film industry Mm -hmm. because he since he was a producer he was kind of familiar with the movie business and so for that reason he made them keep their marriage under wraps and like yeah will it be money will it be fame it's a murder or is it suicide? We will never know. Investigation into Divya Bharati was actually closed in 1998 by the Mumbai police and they concluded that it was an accidental death. However, obviously theories would be flying around because this woman had a very large fan base and keep a lot of people that cared about her. Well, I guess that is all we have for you today. Tune in next week to hear us talk about some thrilling unsolved crimes surrounding the psychology of different killers. Until then, take care and have a great night. Mm-hmm.